Welcome to my podcast, Big Lessons from a Small Island. I am Sophia Robinson, and I'm an author, a blogger, and a coach. I write about life lessons, my experiences, and my philosophy on life, sprinkled with fun, humor, and big love from a small island. My mission is to inspire you to embrace every part of your story and to try something new. Welcome back to my podcast, Big Lessons from a Small Island. I'm Sophia Robinson, and I'm the author of the blog, www.39andcounting.com. As I mentioned in my previous episodes, I started blogging just before I turned 40 so that I could reflect on the lessons I learned up until I turned 40, and I never stopped. That was almost three years ago, and I'm still going strong. I am in the middle of a mini-series of the 10 lessons I learned in the last decade, and we are up to lesson number four, my theory of everything. Anyone who knows me knows I am a huge science nerd, but don't worry, there is not going to be any physics in here, or not too much. (laughs) I'm just joking. There really isn't going to be any. So I hope you enjoy lesson number four, my theory of everything. Today, I am continuing with the lessons I have learned over the past decade, and today's lesson is brought to you by my book, Everything is a Thing. And by the way, you can grab that book on my website. Just go to www.39andcounting.com store, and you can grab yourself a copy in an ebook form, or you can go onto Amazon if you want to have the physical book in your hands. Publishing my book last year was hands down one of the achievements I was most proud of that decade and really in my life. I could write a whole book on the things I learned during that process, but don't worry, I won't. Instead, today I'm going to tell you about my theory of everything. A Wikipedia search will tell you that for years, scientists have been searching for a hypothetical, single, all-encompassing, coherent theoretical framework of physics that fully explains and links together all physical aspects of the universe, which they would call the theory of everything if they were to find it. They and you will be relieved to know I haven't found it either. My theory of everything consists of the three pillars which I discovered over the past few years, and these have been a combination of many of the things I learned as a young student of pure science, as well as becoming older and being more interested in people. It is the thing that I've settled more and more into. I've become more comfortable with myself and the things about me which seem to wildly contradict one another and less interested in fitting myself into a particular box. The three pillars of my theory of everything are the three biggest lessons I learned in relation to my own well-being and my mental health, and they are as follows. Number one. There is no one way. As someone who discovered personal development in my late 20s, it was great to find authors and their books that I felt explained things about my behavior that I couldn't previously understand. And it was great until I started to come to the recommendations that they were making. Don't get me wrong, many of them were good recommendations. But one thing that struck me was that the writers seemed to be suggesting that their solution was the only way. The way to eat, the way to meditate, the way to journal, to wake up in the morning, to go to sleep at night, to find your passion, to fix yourself. And as time went on, I became uncomfortable with the suggestions to do things a certain way. I never felt that I fit into any one box. And for a long time, I felt as if I should. And that I needed to just pick one thing, focus on doing and being that one thing, especially if I wanted to make my way in the world. 
choose a box. And the fact that I didn't want to sometimes left me feeling judged as people accused me of lacking commitment and questioned me about what was holding me back from picking something. I was pleased to find Emily Wapnick's book while I was going through this, and she wrote a book about being a multi-potentialite, and it, her book was called How to Be Everything. I read that book, and for the first time, it felt more, like being more than one thing was not a sign of weakness, but just a reflection of the fact that there is no one way to be. That is a part of the reason why much of my blogging and my book is about ideas and how I use them in my life. I want to stimulate you to have ideas about how to use these concepts in your life based on who you are and how you want to live and what is important to you in terms of your values. The truth is there are many ways to eat, to meditate, to wake up in the morning and so on. And we don't need to fix ourselves. If we feel that we don't fit into one box or another, that's okay. Sometimes our greatest weaknesses are our greatest strengths. Sometimes our most colossal mistakes and the horrible things that happen to us are the things that bring us the gifts we could never imagine. Those thoughts and dreams and desires that we have are legit and they don't need to be replaced with other people's versions of success. For me, I had to embrace that I wasn't prepared to do or be just one thing, to have one message or one interest, to commit to just one thing. Everything is a thing. There is no one way. And once I was able to embrace that, I was also really able to understand pillar number two. Number two, we are all 360 degree individuals. It is so easy to define ourselves by one area of our lives. It could be our career. For example, I am a dentist. It could be our role within the family. It could even be an aspect of our health. I am a gymnast. There are so many reasons why we seek out and claim these labels for ourselves. And trust me, I have a few labels that bring me great joy and pride. And of course, one of my favorite is about being an auntie. And you, I hope, will have heard that episode as episode two, where I really spoke more about that. However, I learned that we are all multifaceted people and that we have to remember to pay attention to each of our parts. This became important to me when I started to think about looking after both my mental and my physical health. I realized that paying a lot of attention to only one side of myself meant that I was neglecting other parts of myself. That those other parts needed nurturing, needed relationships, and needed care. While I don't know if it is possible to achieve balance, I definitely know that if one area of my life suffers, it then limits how well I can do in any other area. And so it is as important to work as it is to feel purposeful. It is as important to have fun as it is to focus on career and finances. Remembering to acknowledge the different parts of myself and give them some love has gone a long way to making my life more joyful. This brings me to the third pillar. Remember the rate limiting step is pillar number three. Following on from pillar number two, another nod to my love for the sciences, and something I wrote about extensively in a previous post you can find on my website. But I'm going to read an excerpt of it below. According to Wikipedia, the overall rate of a reaction is often approximately determined by the slowest step. This is known as the rate limiting or rate determining step. This means that no matter how quickly the other components are able to react, the thing that determines the progress of the reaction is the slowest. 
And this is something that I always think about as I journey through life. It is easy to believe that the, my rate of progress in any project will be determined by the amount of effort that I put in, by the places where I hustle and strive the most, and by the actions that I take. However, I find that it's often determined much further down the chain by the things that I pay the least attention to. To give one example, often my rate limiting step is something as simple as sleep. Sometimes I make the point to get up super early and I sacrifice sleep just so that I can be more productive. But then I find the task that might otherwise take me 20 minutes end up taking way more than an hour and they're never done quite as well. There are other times that my rate limiter is another aspect of my health, such as my hydration. When I think that I don't have time to stop and take care of myself, I discover that the, this is the very thing that is hindering my progress. Other examples can be our spiritual relationship, our interpersonal relationships, eating healthy, even cleaning the kitchen before we start our meal prep. And my favorite one, reading all of the instructions before baking a new recipe or before doing anything, just as an aside. Over the weekend, I decided to work on a sewing project and I had a pattern from a friend of mine. I cut out all the pieces, I sewed the thing and there's still several pieces of cloth left back, all right? Reading all the instructions before you start is super important. That is just an aside. So back to our story. I saw it in so many places that this was a powerful lesson for me. It taught me to consider the importance of all aspects of my life, no matter what I was working on, and not to neglect the seemingly unrelated relationships with others or myself in favor of the outcome. For me, once I began to observe this, I started to look into my own life to see what changes I could make so that I could achieve my goals, drinking more water and getting more sleep, making time for my relationships, automating my self-care at work, this included like pre-booking my vacation and time off instead of waiting until I was wiped out and then trying to squeeze it in and having fun. My biggest rate limiting step is taking life too seriously. This stifles my curiosity and my joy. And honestly, when it is when I'm curious that I find creative solutions to my problems and great blog topics. A friend once told me a story of two woodcutters both chopping down a tree. One spent the entire day cutting, while the other one seemed to stop every hour for several minutes. At the end of the day, the one who had taken the breaks had actually achieved more than the one who had been cutting constantly all day long. When asked how he achieved it, even though he'd taken so many breaks, he said, I was sharpening my axe. I always found that story is a perfect summary of this idea. Sometimes if we aren't making the progress we think we should be making, we need to ask ourselves, what is the rate limiting step? Perhaps having fun with our friends and sharpening our axe before preparing to tackle a big project or a big onion. Sharpen your knives, people. These three pillars have been both my lessons and my teachers as I have journeyed through this last decade and through life. I have found that those who have the loudest voices are sometimes viewed as the ones who are right. A friend and I were recently discussing how the people who believe in one right way are often shouting it from the rooftops. And so it is easy to get caught up in believing that what is the right way for them should be the right way for you. And going down this comparison spiral, something I've often caught myself doing. Comparing my writing about many different topics to those who solidly only write about one thing. 
comparing how I talk about things to others, even judging my own ebbs against my flows. If there's one lesson in this, it is try to sorry, it is to try things and see if they work for you. But also, don't beat yourself if they don't. It is not to use the books and the information out there as a prescription pad, but rather treat them like a buffet and see what you like and what you don't before going back for a second taste. It is to remember that we are whole individuals and to realize that one approach may work in one part of your life, but not in another. It would be to come up with your own theory of everything and to remember that it is just as legitimate as anyone else's. Remember that somewhere out there is a person who will appreciate your experience and feel a little bit like you. This is my theory of everything. What is yours? I would love to hear from you and I send you big love from a small island. Feel free to drop me an email at 39andcountingblog at gmail.com and let me know what is your theory of everything. Jump onto my website, join my mailing list, and if you love this podcast, you can leave a rating and or a review. And I will see you in or hear you or speak to you in the next episode.